Hey everyone, it's me Ben. And it's me Robo Vicky. And we're just here to introduce you to the new podcast, which you conveniently just downloaded. It's called the Press X Podcast. And basically the reason that you might have seen it pop up in your insane ramblings feed is because it's one of my new projects that I'm working on. It's basically me and two friends from uni, Kurt and Nick, and we're going to be talking about games and entertainment and whatever the hell else we really feel like talking about. Hopefully we'll be able to get new episodes to you on an almost weekly basis, but we're still feeling things out right now. If you're a fan of Insane Ramblings, I think that a lot of those people will find this show interesting too, especially if you're a, a nerd like me and love all the video games and entertainment, or, you know, just can't get enough of what I have to say. But if you uh, listen to it and decide it's not for you, don't fret, you don't have to worry about it cluttering up your Insane Ramblings feed as well. Just, uh, just this first episode to, you know, get people aware of the new show and uh, gauge interest in that kind of thing. If you go to the website pressx.com.au, you'll be able to subscribe to the podcast or you can find it on iTunes as well. Then whenever new episodes will come out, you'll be able to just have them automatically downloaded to your, uh, to your computer like Insane Ramblings does. Um, there's also a Facebook and a Twitter that you can find the links to those from pressx.com.au as well. And, you know, I'm pretty sure this whole entertainment reporting thing hasn't really been done on the internet before. What about IGN? Yeah, I... no, I was kidding. Or Kotaku. Or PalGN. Or 1UP. Or Game Trailers. Or... Okay, okay, I get the point. There's been a lot of gaming websites. But, uh, we're doing something different, alright? Do you guys talk about gigabytes? Mmm, not really. It's mostly entertainment and games and stuff. Do you make any jokes about RAM? RAM? You mean like in computers and stuff? Yeah, I love jokes about RAM. Um, well, no, RAM didn't come up in this first episode. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's, I guess, pretty unlikely that we're going to be talking about RAM. We like to, you know, keep it a bit more interesting than that. How much RAM do you have? I don't have any RAM. I'm a human. You know that, RoboVicky. I have seven RAM. Seven? Seven what? That doesn't even make sense. Ha ha ha. Ben. Yeah. Start the show. Yeah, okay, good call. Here's episode one of the PressX podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the first official pressx.com.au podcast. It's very official. It's yeah. very official. In fact, this is so official it should go up online. Our last one didn't after it was... And the last half one as well. We're on number yeah. 2.5. You've got to practice. Practice makes perfect. That's what they say. So welcome to the first of the pressx.com.au podcast. It is called the Pressx podcast, I believe, at this point in time. Yes. So we're going to get stuck into it now. Um, I guess the intros are what we do. I'm Nick, and sort of I've come from a music background. I've worked in radio, uh, I've also uh, currently working in a company that do a lot of work with record labels and things like that, so uh, almost in the music industry to an extent, and basically I'm here to write for mainly music at pressx.com.au, where we mainly feature entertainment in general as well as consumer advice and a few other things, and I'm going to throw it over to Kurt, who is the main man, the guy that is actually the creator of the website, who thought up the idea and has got myself and Ben involved, so Kurt, take it away. The proactive one is what he's trying to say, the one that actually got off his ass to get it running. Um, <laughs> basically, alright, well my name's Kurt, I come from a gaming background, but I also have a background in marketing, 
By um, gaming background, you mean you play games? Yeah. Okay. Um, and <laughs> basically, I came up with an idea a while ago because I found that Australians don't really have a voice in the entertaining uh, entertainment website when it comes to reviews and consumer advice and so forth. And we've been limited over the years to pretty much relying on American websites to get information on Australian entertainment. Um, and so basically I decided to create a website that did everything from reviews to consumer information to uh, putting up podcasts and just entertaining articles in general. Uh, basically we're taking more of a consumer advice look at it, which is sort of a bit different to what a lot of the sites online are doing, where basically rather than giving you an out of 10 score, we're basically telling you whether or not it's actually worth buying or not and whether or not you'll enjoy it. Um, obviously we can't get it right for everyone because... No, it's, uh, we'll, we'll be able to tell if everyone can Yes, enjoy it. that's exactly it. But it's mostly just, you know... Just disagree or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically, you know, this is our opinion on something. Choose whether or not you want to go and spend your hard-earned money on, um, on the product. Of course, for you know the younger audience, stop using your parents' money, get a job, and buy it yourself. Um, but for everyone else, good work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll be handling most of the gaming side of the website, as well as um, a lot of the admin, the administration, basically just sort of running it. Um, and yeah, I'm going to pass you on to Ben now, to so he can have a bit of an introduction and talk about what he's going to be doing. All right, hey everyone, I'm Ben, and first of all, I have to say I disagree with Kurt's advice. I can scam your parents as much as you can, for as long as you can. But uh, yeah, I'm Ben from InsaneRamblings.net, that's my other website. So Kurt's brought me on here because I've got podcast experience from that site. And uh, you Showing. might... Yeah, very <laughs> long, lifelong experience. Yeah, well, when this goes up online, maybe that'll uh, prove it. But... Uh, yeah, if you go back to the pressx.com.au website, you can check out one of the first posts that's on there is the Insane Ramblings uh, In Colour Episode 7 video where me and Kurt went to the E3 Expo and played a lot of games and made a video of it but didn't really focus on the games in the video. Any but, games. No, but it should be an entertaining watch and you can you know gauge the kind of stuff that we'll be showing on this website from that and from my other websites, and uh, yeah, so we all just met at uni and decided we love games and entertainment and feel like, you know, this would be a good place to talk about, talk about it. Yeah. Alright, so that's a lot of that, and now we're going to get stuck into, or we have said a lot about what the website is, but even talk perhaps a little bit in depth on what people can expect on the website coming soon. So we'll get stuck into that now, I guess, Kurt, again, you're the best man to run us through this, so if you want to kick off with what they can expect at this point in time. Um, from a very sort of generalised overview of the site, at the moment we're focusing on games and music and very soon to getting into a bit of tech and gadgetry. So everything from controllers, headphones, even electric shavers and so forth. Um, pretty much if you can strap a battery into it or it has a motor in it, you, you know, we'll try and cover it. Um, we will hopefully expand later on into movies and music, uh, sorry, uh, movies and TV and other areas like that. But at the moment, we'll be looking very heavily into just mostly the games and music side of things. Um, we, Because we're going for more of a consumer advice, we know that a lot of people that are going to be... What we're, what we're targeting to get a lot of people in for is to have people that are just getting into the gaming industry or kind of interested in games but don't know much about it. And we'll be focusing more on uh, looking at stuff like, hey, you've just bought yourself an Xbox, you've just dropped three, four hundred dollars and you don't want to go drop another hundred dollars on a new game, here are a couple of some of the older games from the last year or two that are good 
have a lot of fun playing with and you know you can pick them up these days in a second hand trade in bin for you know ten twenty dollars of course we will still cover new uh, titles as they come out um, but it will be a great resource for people to come and find yeah just some of the older games that have sort of fallen into obscurity or sort of been forgotten about that are actually really really good fun um, I'll pass it back over to Nick and he can talk about what he'll be doing on the music side of things for the website okay so for the music side of the website at this point in time, uh, I'm looking to only do albums from, or APs releases from 2011 on. Uh, I find it's a better way to do it, rather than me writing and going, oh gee, I really loved that album three years ago, and writing about only albums I like. This forces me to uh, really be able to give advice on things I wouldn't normally listen to, and perhaps things across a broader range, because I've only got albums from it this year. And at this point in time, there is a review up, but there will be more coming soon. In fact, I believe over the next week, there should be a few more arriving. So at this point in time, expect to get current albums from this year. They may be from, you know, even as uh, early as um, January this year, but only 2011 albums. And I guess it'll be a good way to build up uh, the website and build up a real uh, sense of what you can expect from it, rather than it all being positive. It's going to broaden the range, and it's going to broaden what you can expect to read about. So that's, I guess, uh, the website at this point in time. So we might get stuck into some general topics from now on. Let's kick it off with, I guess, really what we're playing, what we're listening to, what we're watching, which I thought might be the best way to go about things. Um, I might start and just go through what I'm playing and what I'm watching. Uh, At this point in time, I've actually gone back and bought some older games, and I'm playing Skate 3, which I'm enjoying at the moment. It's actually... Very, very good, quite intuitive, but it is quite frustrating in the sense that it's very, very technical in the controls. I'm not sure that I'm grasping it to the standard that you need to. Uh, I also went through and have recently been going back and playing the DLCs for uh, Fallout New Vegas. So I finished those ones off. That was really good as well. So that's a little overview on what I'm playing. What I'm listening to at the moment are albums from 2011, and I've just got the brand new uh, Boy and Bear album, an Australian band that is about to take over Australian music scene so I'm listening to that I'm also listening to the Foo Fighters latest album to hear what that's like and I'm actually going back and listening to LMFAO's album so something a little bit different something from every sort of genre just trying to get a broader view and really enjoying all of it at the moment so that's what I'm listening to and what I'm watching I'm watching a ton of QI which is a British show if you haven't seen it it's Stephen Fry hosts it and it's called Quite Interesting and the idea is that they bring up uh, topics that people have, think they know, things that are you know, general conceptions. Like, I guess one of them was uh, I before E except after C, which isn't actually correct. So they bring up those sort of things, have a discussion about them, make fun of other people, and then get stuck into usually a couple of comedians. And very much worth watching. So that's what I'm watching at the moment. Is so, it just like a panel show, or do they have like a quiz kind of it's thing? It's a like, quiz show. Yeah. So Stephen Fry hosts, and then they've got four uh, people that are on it, One's always there, and, you know, he's usually the whipping boy. <laughs> and that's the way it goes. Well worth checking out. So it's a very, very good show. I've been going for quite a while, and it's just it's just very clever and very interesting, and I've got a thing for Stephen Fry. That's, that's the best <laughs> in, way to describe it. In a it. very sexual way. Well, uh, if, you, if you know his, his leanings, uh, you know. I don't, possibly I don't know if there's any other way, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so perhaps, uh, Kurt, you might go through what you're playing and what right, you're I'm doing very similar. I'm going back and playing a lot of the older games that I skipped over in the uh, early part of the, sort of the Xbox uh, lifespan. Uh, I've gone and borrowed a few from Nick recently, so I'm playing through Bioshock 1 and then soon to move on to Bioshock 2. Um, been loving them. They're great. I uh, originally stayed away from them because 
I'm not good with horror games. You'll learn very, very quickly that I'm a bit of a wuss when it comes to horror films, horror ah. games, all of that sort of stuff. Ah. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> to, to little, okay. That is definitely getting deleted. That is definitely not No, that has to stay. That's a lot um, of radio drama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I've been, yeah, basically going through that. Uh, borrowed by uh, Portal 2 off Nick as well, which I've been absolutely loving, um, which was a bit of a surprise to me because I'm not um, sort of smart enough for these games generally. But nonetheless, pretty uh, good fun to play through, and the co-op's been exceptionally good fun. Um, what I've been listening to, I've just got Opio's new album. Opio's a kind of an obscure Australian, I guess you could call him glitch hop artist, sort of psytrance and glitch and a bit of everything. Um, his first album I was absolutely addicted to. Um, it was pretty much uh, my rebirth into the sort of the psytrance genre. I had sort of fallen away from it for a while, but definitely fallen um, back in love with that sort of genre again and what I've been watching at the moment has been Franklin and Bash uh, new legal drama very similar to Boston legal style humour very much based around sort of the the American law courts with you know ridiculous um, sort of court style drama Um, and yeah that's sort of just been what I've been uh, enjoying recently Um, you know currently uh, looking for a new job because my contract's finished so I've got a lot of time to um, I guess you could say waste depends on who you're talking <laughs> to um, but yeah what about you Ben what have you been up to so uh, I just finished a couple of games recently Dead Rising 2 on the 360 it's also out on PS3 but I was playing the Xbox one so what did you think of that because I actually never got around to playing that and I had intended to I only but played I, Case West yeah I, I, it's the same with me I played Case West and found that it was enough did yeah. you play Case West or Case Zero? Case, Case Zero West. might have been the one. Oh, it was Case West for me. Okay, because I played Case Zero quite a while ago when it first came out, and I was in the same kind of situation where I really liked it, but by the end I'm like, yeah, I've got my Dead Rising fix. And the main game is pretty similar to that. Was it visually the same? Um, basically, yeah. Was it better looking? Because to be honest, I thought that was like a standard arcade game, and I don't know if I wanted to spend full money on a game that looked like that. No, it, it, it basically looks the same as the downloadable one. Okay. Um, and the thing that is annoying about it is the loading times are also the same, which between areas, there's quite a long load, which um, I heard they're re-releasing Dead Rising 2 with Frank West from the original Day- Dead Rising as the main character, and that's one of the things that they've fixed. But uh, yeah, that is a bit annoying. The areas are quite big, so it's not a huge problem, but you do have to go back and forth to your safe house all the time, and it all adds up. But overall, yeah, I really enjoyed the game. One thing about it was a bit annoying is at the end of the game there's multiple endings, and that's all right because you know depending on all the all the cases that you finish, you'll get a different ending. Or if you skip it and just decide to fuck around and kill guys on your own, then uh, you know you're obviously not going to get the perfect ending. But without spoiling too much, at the end of the game you get a choice to make, but it's not obvious that if you don't do the recommended choice that you're gonna uh, not finish the game the way that it intended. And so there's a whole other section of the end of the game that I didn't even realise was there the first time. I had to go back, do this last mission, beat the last boss again, which was a bitch because it's just quite hard. And then you get to this extra extended ending. But uh, overall, the game was pretty fun. And there's, as you mentioned, Case West, which is um, like another downloadable game that comes after Dead Rising 2, which uh, I haven't played yet, but that looks pretty fun as well. Um, but yeah, if you if you just play the case zero, you can probably gauge what the full game is going to be from okay. that. 
So it's probably a fair assumption that after playing that and I didn't enjoy it that much that I'm probably not going to enjoy the game. Exactly. It's, it's very similar to Dead Rising 1 or Case Zero. Um, but yeah, just, you know, bigger, I guess. Yeah, I, I had a bit of fun with Case West. I didn't get a chance to play much of the co-op because I didn't have uh, any friends that had a copy of it as well. And I think that would be a much more fun... Like that would be, You'd have a lot more fun with that, playing that in more of a co-op environment than a sing, like just playing it single player. Yeah. Um, but it's it seems like um, a, a good game if you just want a bit of almost slapstick uh, comedy and violence sort of mixed together with the zombie theme. And, you know, we're all uh, big fans of sort of zombie apocalypse style games and, and movies and music here so well not really music as much but um, it'd be kind of odd for a music one But I think know. we should start a new uh, genre of music yes yes we'll make millions and millions of dollars off that because no one will listen to it um, but yeah no I, I think like I really enjoyed Case West um, but certainly once again like Nick I'm not quite sure I would want to play a full retail you know 30 hour game yeah and I think a lot of people felt the same way which uh it seemed like they sold a lot of copies of Case Zero, so it seemed like a good plan to start with, but yeah, then I think people just got their fill after playing that, so it's interesting to see that they're re-releasing the game with the main character from the first one, just maybe to try and recoup some of those uh, sales. Yeah. Frank West is a cooler character, though. He yeah. has that sleazy, almost porn um, photographer sort of look to him. Well, the whole photography element was probably the best bit of the first game, so it's interesting it was choice that yeah. Yeah, they took it out. Well, I guess it's a, it's a very... Um... Uh, uh, it, it's very much a Japanese thing, mm. which I guess is the way to describe it the best without uh, going over the top about it. Um, it's, it's not something that I think the Americans adopted, yeah. and they didn't they didn't quite like that aspect of the game. So that was probably why it was removed when they went to go for a Western market. The photography angle yeah. didn't really match. But yeah. then they went too far to the American angle in my mind, where they went to the almost evil Knievel style stunt driver with you know the bright outfit and all the rest, who was almost too over-the-top American, I find. And that's why, especially at least here in Australia, it didn't quite sort of fit for us as such. I think it was one of the problems that a lot of people found. Now, I never played the first game. Did the first game have an emotional element like the daughter in the second game? Not really. You're on your own, basically, and you meet a couple of people in the mall, and there is a love interest, but I don't think things ever really pan out in that aspect. So it'll be interesting if they can uh, try and do something similar for the remake, but... uh... Yeah, the the second game was definitely more emotional in that way. Cool. But uh, Kurt, Kurt mentioned the co-op aspect of it, and I think that would be pretty fun as well. I played a bit of co-op on online, but uh, you have to really work together with people because you can only stay in the same area, and when you try and leave an area, they, the other player has to be uh, within your vicinity, very close vicinity. And so you really have to work together. So I think if you can find a friend to play it together in co-op and work through the whole game together, that's probably the best way to do it. Excellent. All right. Well, now we're talking about games at the moment. A lot of game news happening recently. Uh, In fact, a lot of console news or handheld console news happening recently. We might start off with the big one, which is Nintendo 3DS price cut. Yeah, it got cut by, in Australia, $100, which is huge considering the console only came out less than six months ago. That's a lot of... that, that, that. Price cut will get me buying one, no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay. I, I was not going to buy one, but that is that is that's like buying two games. Yeah. That price in Australian money that that is two eighty dollars games right there. That's nothing. Well, it's interesting you say that because the only other time that I can think of this kind of thing happening was when the original Xbox came out, and that got price cut. But I believe it was two hundred and fifty dollars cheaper within about two or three months of it launching. 
and they actually offered everyone two games of their choice and an extra controller. And so Nintendo's doing a similar thing where everyone who bought the console before this price drop, which comes into effect on August 12th, is getting 20 free downloadable games, which is pretty cool. There's That'd ten... be more than, more than $100 worth, I would say. Yeah, exactly. So, and they actually seem like decent games. There's 10 downloadable NES titles and 10 downloadable Game Boy Advance titles. And there's a few things like The Legend of Zelda for the NES. And, um, there's... Well, I've got, a, I've got a short list here yeah, that I can read through. So, uh, a short list of a couple of the NES games. You've got Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong Jr. There's Balloon Fight, which I never played. Ice Climbers, which, of course, I guess, from our knowledge, really comes through uh, playing, Smash, Brothers. Yeah, Smash Brothers and games like that. Then there's The Legend of Zelda. Now, we're talking Game Boy Advanced games. There's Yoshi's Island Super Mario Advance 3. There's Mario Kart Super Circuit, Metroid Fusion... Uh, WarioWare and Mario vs. Donkey Kong so it's not like these are throwaway titles that never went anywhere these are titles with their characters involved and the interesting thing is they mentioned um, the Game Boy Advance games they don't currently have plans to put them on the virtual console so the only way that you can get them is if you already have your 3DS so it's a bit of a weird one I guess maybe a couple years from now they'll put them up but uh, it is good to see that they're offering quality titles, let alone... Like, because a lot of the stuff on the virtual console at the moment is just really crappy games and it's not going to interest you too much. So it's good that they're actually you know, backing up this $100 discount with some good titles. Now, yeah. both you guys did buy the console, I believe. Yeah. yeah. You both have 3DSs. Yes. How do you feel about this? Is, do you actually feel like you're better off buying it early and getting these games compared to uh, buying it later for cheaper? Because that's, that's, I guess, in my position, that is now the... the the way up that I have to make. Yeah, well, when I first got the console, I was, I just, I think like a lot of the original early adopters, I felt a bit let, let down in the sense of the, the launch titles in which, you know, you usually got a choice of one for free with the console um, were fairly weak um, in regards to your actual selection and what you'd want. There wasn't anything really for even the hardcore game as such. There was, you know, the Ghost Recon game. But other than that, you know, the, the other games that came out were, you know, they, they were almost felt like they were quick you know, quickly port them for the 3DS and get them out so we've got something at launch. Yeah, that's um, often the case for launch. Oh, of course. But certainly, at least this time round, these new games coming onto it is actually going to make me pick up my 3DS again. At the moment, it's sitting on my bedroom floor. I don't even think it's got any charge left in it because um, since having it, all I've done is I've played uh, Zelda Link's Awakening and uh, Kirby's Dreamland. Because And it's kind of sad to have a, you know, current generation console where you're playing games from two, three generations back. Um because there's nothing really on the current generation that we want to be playing. And, you know, at least this way we've got another new library of games to play through. Even though they're all old, they're the good ones of the old generation to play. So we're certainly not getting sort of screwed over with a whole lot of cheap throwaway games. Yeah, certainly stuff like um, Metroid and Mario Kart Advance, they're both quality games, and Yoshi's Island as well. So if you've never played them, then I'd probably recommend getting it before the price cut, especially since those games aren't going to be available on the virtual console. I was lucky enough to get my console with a game for 300 bucks. So if you can find a deal like that, then you're saving quite a lot of money. Yeah. I'm assuming there's a pack with uh, the Zelda game as well. I'm assuming there's a Ocarina of Time pack somewhere. You Probably. Yeah. For a good I, price. I, and really, I haven't seen it. But that, yeah. I, I, not to pigeonhole it, but that is the only reason to buy it at this point in time. Yeah, that so was far, the only reason to buy it at the start. Zelda's... Definitely the best game out at the moment. Um, I've got Dead or Alive Dimensions, which is also quite fun. They're, Zelda's obviously like a 13, 14-year-old game at this point. They've upgraded it a bit, but it's still... If 
you know, a game that's a 64 game. Dead or Alive Dimensions is basically the 360 version of Dead or Alive 4 with a few extra modes and, like, a new story mode and stuff. So you've probably played these games before, but there's a few things coming out, like Star Fox is coming out and Kid Icarus is coming out. There's Tales of the Abyss, which I'm really looking forward to. Resident Resident Evil, which was exceptional at E3. I think Resident Evil was definitely the best thing coming out for the console, as well as the new Mario Kart and Mario Mario 3D. Yep. So uh, there's definitely a lot to look forward to. So while right now there's not a whole lot to play, um, I think there's enough to tide you over until the new games come. Yeah, and certainly one thing that I had the advantage of with the 3DS, which, uh, like, given that the three, the standard 3DS, sorry, the standard DS, a lot of people have. The advantage I have with the 3DS is I never had a DS, so I had a huge library of old games to play through, and allowed me to go back through a lot of the old games and finally play them after years and years and years of this huge library being built that I was missing. So the first thing I did with my 3DS is go out and get a whole lot of DS games and finally give them a shot. Um, and so certainly if you don't have a DS, go pick yourself up a 3DS now, get it before the price drop, get the extra games for free, and then go through the trading bins and pick up some of the great DS games. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of DS games on my 3DS as well, just because I finished Zelda and uh, Dead or Alive, as I mentioned. And I just finished playing 999, which is a really obscure um, story-driven adventure game, and I've absolutely loved it. It's probably I think it came out last year but not many people know about it flew under the radar and it's just one of the best games for the system Akami Din also came out at the end of the last year which is like a new version of um, the Akami PS2 game and it's basically plays like a Zelda game that's supposed to be really good there's Dragon Quest Pokemon that there's been so many games over that console's life cycle that I've been playing the console since it came out and I still haven't got through all the original DS games that I'm interested in. So uh, there's definitely something for everyone if you pick up a 3DS right now. Alright, so from one handheld console to another, the PlayStation Vita has been pushed back. Yeah. It's, this is something I'm not really over. Uh, handheld games really fell off for me about the Game Boy Advance stage. That was probably the last time I really played it. Uh, there were DSs around my house. Um, uh, my partner has a DS as well, which I've played hers, but I don't really spend a lot of time on it. So handheld games aren't really my thing. What is what is the, the word on the street of the Vita? Oh, well, certainly from what we've seen of the Vita, so especially with me and Ben at E3, and we were able to have a look at it there, is some of the games that are coming out for that just look exceptional. It's seriously looking like a next-gen co- uh, console that you can take on the, the road with you. Um, you know, it being pushed back, are we surprised? Well, not... I personally wasn't in particular, especially after talking to a couple of the... Uh, one of the Sony reps that we met at E3, where yeah. they were saying... Even if it got released in Japan, especially for um, people you know in Australia, even in the US, it takes a long time for it to come over here, especially for Australians in particular, because it still has to pass all of our government classifications and all the rest of it and the big hoo-ha. Well, so, to, be, to clarify, it hasn't got pushed back. It's still coming out in Japan at the end of the year, but they, they kind of made it sound like there was going to be a worldwide launch, and now they've said that it's going to come out in US and... Uh, the rest of the world in 2012 but you'll still be able to import one if you're desperate yeah. but uh, yeah they never specifically came out and said it was definitely coming out here before the end of the year and that's why yeah mo- like I'm not that surprised you know the PlayStation 3 I believe came out in Japan before it came out in Australia there's a lot of the sort of stuff that gets held back anyway so really it's it's not the the end of the world and certainly the system's fantastic um, 
But if you've got a PSP currently, you know the the games are still fantastic on that. And really, we could, um, my guess will be we'll see it early in 2012. So we're not going to lose a huge amount of time behind it. And if anything, it means that we can skip the you know the opening you know weekend where there's no real games for it and everything. And by the time it comes out here, we might actually have a decent library to start exactly off anyway. Um, so yeah, certainly I'd be keeping my eyes pretty close, uh, you know, and and doing my research on the the Vita because from what we've seen. It looks really good fun. Um, and it might just be that little thing that portable gaming needs to sort of bring it back to the older hardcore audience that are shying away from the 3DS because even though it has some hardcore games, it still looks very tailored to the younger generation and, and kids and stuff like that. Also, um, it's quite minimal. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, handheld gaming, I think, has sort of died off a little bit over the years, but it's more the fact that people are taking it in a different way. A lot of people are moving to their phones for gaming. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. Handheld gaming is no longer a uh, console or a console company yeah. structure. It is a mobile phone. It is, to be quite honest, the iPhone and Apple have taken handheld gaming. Oh, and, and Android. And, uh, yeah. Android too, but I guess if you look at the number of sales over each of them, the iPhone App Store and iTunes, they just dominate any any game. And in fact, I think they dominate gaming in general, yeah, even, the big, even across consoles. Yeah, the big advantage of the iPhone and you know mobile phone gaming in general is that you've always got your phone on you. It's not an extra device. In your exactly, pocket. which yeah. is with the DS or PSP, you have to carry around something else. And so, if you're looking just for a couple of games on the go, then those things are great for that. I'm pretty addicted to Cut the Rope at the moment. <laughs> But uh, I'm, overall, I want bigger games because I've got a commute to work that's quite lengthy at the moment. And so being able to play stuff like Metal Gear Portable Ups and Peace Walker just on the train, that's something that I can sit down with for over an hour and you get, actually get a full story and bus fights rather than just, you know, playing Angry Birds for an hour. Yeah. Certainly, you know, I've been playing a lot of the, the Carrier Soft games, so stuff like uh, Hot, Hot Spring Story, Game Dev Story, uh Grand Prix story and stuff like that on my Android phone. And the one thing I found is, rather than being a mobile game for me for commutes and so forth, I find at night if I just want to sort of, if I'm lying in bed, rather than, you know, say watching TV, if I feel like playing a game, I don't have to go get the Xbox hooked up or anything like that. I can just pull out my phone, play half an hour or an hour, and then, you know, go off to bed. And these games are certainly, if you look for the right ones, you get now get into games that are going for four or five hours of storyline or play, you know, single playthroughs. And with a lot of them having, you know, a new game plus, the idea of the replayability by carrying stuff over from your first playthrough. Um, we're starting to get these games coming out on the iPhone that are not just like little gadgety games that are, you know, uh, kitschy and you play them for a few minutes and that's it. You're actually starting to get full storylines, you know, full gameplay accessibility. We're starting to see full RPGs coming out for the iPhone and Android now that a few years ago were almost unheard of. Well, certainly Square just released Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Yeah, Yeah. and Final Fantasy III on uh, the iPhone. But I think I'd still prefer to play them on consoles just because of the lack of buttons. Plus, price-wise, you do look at it and you go, gee, that's $13 for a game on my iPhone. That's just far too expensive. And 20 years old. You know, the, the other big problem we're still having with... And this is not just for the iPhone. This is for 3DS and all the rest is some of these older games that they're re-releasing now are so expensive that you actually start having to really think, 
do I want to play this game just for nostalgia sense and drop yeah, serious cash? If, if you don't have that nostalgia with it, yeah. it's not worth playing. That's, I guess that was one of the major drawbacks with the 3DS and Ocarina of Time. If you never played Ocarina of Time, you are not going to be able to play that game and go, this is amazing. Yet everyone that did play it is going to turn around and go, this is amazing. Yeah. Because of the nostalgia factor and you got you know rose-coloured glasses when you play yeah. it. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, for the 3DS, there were a few games that came out when they first launched the eShop for um, at E3 that... You know, when I first saw I was like, oh, yes, finally I get to play A Link's Awakening again. You know, I, I, I loved that game when it first finally, came Finally, I can play it again. Again. Um, but the problem with it, of course, being is I think it was $12. Yeah, it's and not cheap. It's not, that's not cheap for a Game Boy Advance game. That firstly, I own the cartridge. No, Game Boy Color game. Game Boy Color, yeah, sorry. It wow. yeah. And I own the cartridge, so I've already dropped the $50 that it originally was, even though that's years ago. But it's that sort of thing of, why am I paying $12 for a game that I physically own? And I'm putting on a new system that's, you know, years and years old now. And I'm sort of sitting there thinking, this seems a bit, you know, a bit silly to do that. Well, I agree that the virtual console games are a bit expensive. But something like Final Fantasy three on the iPhone, mm. that's, I think, $16, $13, whatever it is. If you were paying that for the DS version, that's actually quite cheap. And it's the same game. So it just depends. Like, we're used to paying a dollar for iPhone games. Yes. But compared to the consoles, that's still not a bad price at all. So it just depends uh, what you're used to paying and whether or not you want to play it on the iPhone or not. Yeah, excellent. All right, so let's get stuck into a couple of other things that have come up recently. And I guess something that we're all going to be very, very keen on because we played this game to death. Uh, they are, I believe, about to announce that Borderlands 2 is going to yeah, be released. Yeah. Yeah. Can't yeah. wait for Borderlands 2. And I believe they're saying, from what I'm reading here, it's the fiscal year of uh, 2013, which is beginning in April 1st, 2012. So assuming it'll be late next year, we'll get it. Yeah, probably about this time next year. Yeah, about yeah. this time next year, probably even a November release, something pre-Christmas, like the massive November coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, but we all played that game to death as it was oh, yes. it was a breath of fresh air into the current system which was dominated by your Call of Duty World at War and your Halo Reach it was yeah. just something different and something new and inventive yeah it was great um, I've been screaming for years for a, a first person RPG sort of loot pickup game and there have been a few don't get me wrong but one that was this well fleshed out with this much sort of background depth co-op playability big big sales that point. was by far one of yeah. the best points the co-op playability Definitely. because especially a storyline that's co-op but is still a, a button masher yeah. in that sense was something that's very unique in yeah. our market at the moment which we just don't have on our current consoles yeah but not just co-op but split screen co-op yes so i love being able to sit down and play a game with one of my friends that you know at home but being able to being like a lot of games at the moment like Dead Rising 2 which we mentioned that's one of them that forces you to play over Xbox Live and so if he doesn't have the same game or the same console or whatever then you just can't play it but uh, this was one that you could really just like jump in wherever you are and instantly pick it up and yeah. that was great and 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 like it was there was so much to it like the the post-apocalyptic style, almost cartoony, bat-crap crazy sort of world that you're in, where almost it was a, like a Mad Max cartoon to a point, you know, was just endlessly fun, but it meant that anyone could drop in. They didn't have to know the storyline up until that point because it was mission-based. It was still the overarching story, but it wasn't one that, you know, you'd really had to have sat down from the beginning with. Um, and so it was just, yeah, it was a great game. We've all of us really enjoyed it. I'm sure there's going to be a small fight over who gets to do the uh, trading game of the week review on it. 
Um, but certainly, if we can see another one similar to it with you know the second uh, instalment of the game, um, I have no reason. Even if at this point, if they only made a few small changes, you know, if you got a good recipe, don't you know mess around with it. As far um, as I can see, they're bringing new characters in. Is, yeah. is, well, that's one of the speculations, yeah. and I'm assuming. Maybe maybe changing up some of the weapon not varieties, but changing yeah. up some of the uh, abilities the weapon have, because that was very very creative in the fact that they had a big long list of things and it just randomly picked things for the weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I'd like to see improved is being able to easily tell if a weapon that has been dropped is better than your current weapon, and yeah. perhaps the pickup of the weapon. Yeah, that there. too. Because what kept happening is you'd hold X, I believe, to pick up everything. But then you also held X on a specific weapon to replace your current weapon with the existing weapon. And so you'd end up shooting and you're like, why is my gun doing nothing? And you're like, oh, I accidentally replaced my weapon, which that was just a bit silly. So little things like that could definitely make a big difference to the game. But um, yeah. And maybe like an overall story I'd like to see. Like the story was good, especially in some of the downloadable content. Yeah. But yeah, in the main game, yeah. I think it could be improved. Yeah, that, that's something I think that they will be probably addressing. We might move on to another topic now. And this is something... Uh, for me, we're going to talk about Battlefield 3, which is a game that I'm absolutely dying to get Fan my hands boy. on. I, I tell you, Battlefield 2, was, or Bad, Bad Company 2, was probably the best shooter I've ever played. And the structure of it, the use of uh, multiple different varieties of people, while still confining them to having very specific abilities, the use of the medic when you're not that good at shooting, use of snipers to be able to spot people, and that spotting was just amazing. Anyway, we can go on about that for days. <laughs> I can go on about that for days, but... So Battlefield 3 is coming out soon. If you've noticed, EA has a very strong idea of dislike towards trading games. Yes. And they get people to sign up to their own... Uh, you get your own uh, ID, I believe, with yeah, EA a, when you log into games, different exactly. content. And of course, uh, Mass Effect 2 had their own system where you log on and you actually get given free stuff because you're part of that system. Yeah. Battlefield well, Free if you buy it new. Yes, if you buy it new. Now that's the kicker, isn't it? Because Battlefield 3 they believe is going to be released with an online pass, which if you buy it new, you will have a pass to allow you to play online. If you do not buy it new, you will not have the pass. If you buy it secondhand, you will have to go and then pay on top of your secondhand price to be able to play online. Is this, I'm, I'm a little torn here because I can't understand why they do it and I'm probably going to buy it new anyway. But some people just can't afford to buy full price games of and Traders is a good way to... Make money as well as save money. Yeah. It's a good way for people that have beaten the game, that don't want it anymore, that want to move on and can't afford to keep hold of all these games, to then trade them in. It's a very good system for gamers to continue to play more yeah. and gamers to help other gamers enjoy more games. But I can understand that from their point of view, every time someone trades it in and, and trades it in and trades it in, they lose money on top of money on top of money. Of course. Uh, there's there's always a devil ad, uh, devil's advocate sort of side of things, which is... That the trading game, the used game market, basically is really hurting developers these days, and it's the attitude of if you want to reward developers for making a good game, buy it brand new. You know, basically vote with your wallet sort of attitude towards things, um, and you know that that's been the case. Certainly, EA is not the only company that has been doing this. You know, uh, Noir had the Rockstar Pass for a lot of their sort of stuff, um, and we've been seeing it slowly pop up here and there in a lot of games over the last uh, probably two years now that they've started to implement them into a lot more games um, my main sort of view to the whole thing is uh, rewarding people to buy a game brand new I don't really see too much of a problem as long as this extra pass isn't too overpriced certainly Gears War 2 if you bought it brand new you got the classic map pack with it something simple where the game itself wasn't really affected if you bought it second hand 
but certainly you got rewarded that little bit extra for buying it brand new. And now this is this is almost cutting off fifty percent of your gameplay. And in fact, for something like Battlefield Three, it is ninety percent will be online play. There will be you, you play through the course one, the main the main uh, solo mission once to get achievements if you like to do that. Otherwise, you were going to go and purely play online in that game, which and and depending on how much this costs, how much they charge you, it could be very. In fact, you may double your price. You might pay more buying the game secondhand than you would pay if you bought it. Well, it's usually up. about ten dollars for these kind of things. I think their last one was more like twenty five. Well, it's about eight hundred points, I think, for certain things. But just say it's twenty five. I think it doesn't really matter. The way to look at it is that if you're buying the game secondhand. Just factor in that additional cost, yeah, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So the way they're going to get people is maybe people buying it for their kids or people who aren't familiar with gaming buying it and not realizing that they have to pay at this extra cost. But for people like you and me who know a bit more about it, if you're interested in buying the game and you see it cheap, just remember I might have to pay this ten, twenty dollars on top of the actual in-store price. Which for me, I don't tend to play a whole lot of this kind of things online. So it's not a huge deal, but I also tend to buy my games new. And if they want to give more money to the developers, then I don't see a big problem with it. Now, I guess uh, I think I've written about, in particular, while doing my studies, uh, is about the relationship between uh, the people that make more money wanting to keep more money and the people that don't make much money just wanting to get their product out there. So smaller games are happy for trade-ins because it gets more people playing their game. Whereas big companies like EA, not to not to be negative towards them, but big companies like EA see that every time someone doesn't buy, that's money they're losing. When in fact, really, when they're posting record sales every year, it's not something that really factors into the extent of a small company who doesn't make much money but wants to get it out there. One of the interesting things... There was this sale this week, I think it's maybe finishing today or yesterday, called the Humble Bundle, where you can buy a whole bunch of independent, independent games on Steam, and uh, you can pay whatever you want. So you pay five, or like even a cent if you want. Yeah. You can pay $10, you can pay $20, for a pack that would cost you about $50 normally if you're buying all these games. And then, even if you paid more than the average price, you also got five more games for free. And so it's the same kind of thing. These people are just trying to get their games out there. But in the end, they raised over a million dollars. And so it means that people can actually play their games and they can make a decent amount of money. And I think that's a good way to do it. The concern, of course, as well, which has been slightly overlooked so far, is it's all fine that we might have to buy you know, a Rockstar Pass or an EA Pass or you know, any of the rest of them. The concern for it is, is what happens with these kids that do go buy it secondhand, have the $20 but no credit card to buy. You know, yeah, you can get points cards and stuff these days, but a lot of kids don't have the ability to do the online microtransactions or their parents won't let them use their credit card to do it for whatever reason, you know, the parent may choose. You're still locking out a lot of your users and so forth that may not have the ability to buy these extra passes online just due to the fact that they may not have a credit card and so forth. Um, Certainly I've got friends that still to this day don't really want a credit card because you know they might not trust themselves not to spend and so forth with it but that's still going to put them in a situation where they may have to go out to a place like JB Hi-Fi or EB Games and buy a points card and if not they've locked out they'll lock themselves out of the online ability um, and also it's just stuff down to like you know we all share games amongst each other where it's like hey you might not want to play the whole way through this game take this see what you think maybe you'll want to go buy it now, if I go buy Battlefield 3 and start playing the online, I'm really enjoying it. And I say to my friend, hey man, 
here's Battlefield 3, take it home, play it half now, see what you think, if you like it, go buy it. They can't, because they have to go drop the $25 to test the game online. And this is one of the big problems that's also going to come up is, what happens when you, you just want to play with your friends, or for that matter, you have a friend around, you want to get online and play together, and if they don't have, you know... A, you know, a copy of the game and with their online pass they're going to be up for $25 yeah. now I'd like to think that, that this, these will be issues that will be worked out but I think it is a slippery slope if we look at what uh, is it Activision that is working on uh, Modern Warfare 3 yes yep. uh, what they're doing where you actually pay extra money for more features online a, a, a less bare online version yep. but Call of Duty Elite is yes what it. Uh, but I have the fear that the next logical step in this line is you buy a game and then you pay for multiplayer. Yeah. And that is something that, to be quite honest, is, is it's, it's charging money on top of money that people just don't have to play. Like, like to, they just can't afford to pay it. Unless, of course, you counterbalance that in the original cost. If I could pay, buy games in the sense of it's $30 for the single player and then it's $50 online for the rest of the game, fantastic because I might only well, want then to play why the do that? well then why not charge the full price for yeah. it and people will still buy it anyway but it's that sort of uh, pay as you play sort of aspect to it you know okay you're only going to pay you know you're not going to play the multiplayer because say you're one of the people with X- that don't have Xbox Live cool there's your $30 single player game you're not going to use our service so that saves us yeah. money blah 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 and, and onwards it's, it's the same the World of Warcraft World of Warcraft just sort of uh, model of you know you just pay by the month to play the games now um, you know, I got sucked into the, well, not really sucked into it. I enjoyed it, but I used to play World of Warcraft. I bought the game for full price. I bought all the expansion packs for full price, and paid twenty dollars a month to play it for probably about a year. In the end, you know, I stopped playing a few years ago. Um, that was fine, you know, but I could see for a lot of people when I said, "Hey, you should give World of Warcraft a go." Even here, have my seven-day trial. Most people were like, "I'm not paying to play. It just doesn't make sense for us to do that sort of thing." And so you're still on that slippery slope. And as we've also seen with stuff like map packs, where map packs used to be four to eight hundred Microsoft points, and then Activision with uh, Modern Warfare One went, let's just try a twelve hundred point map pack. Oh, that worked. Let's keep it at that rate from here on out. Will we see that continuing to increase because people want the map packs? Yeah. Now, as it's starting to rain heavier and heavier while we're here, uh, it's going to come through, I'm afraid, which is uh, we can't do much about at this point in time. The pitfalls of not having a soundproof booth to record in. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Yet is the big answer. The more you visit our website and click on the banner ads in the future, the more likely we'll have a soundproof booth. <laughs> and cue heavier rain. But, but <laughs> what, is, what yeah. is going on? It was such a great week this week. Really? I don't know about you guys, but outside was beautiful all week. Sunshine for the first time in months. Uh, you know, it was really nice, quite good, and then gets to the weekend, bam, raining everywhere. I think we're just tapping into the uh, rain lovers market. If, you know, people want the ambience of listening to podcasts in the rain, then we can provide them with something a bit we should, different. We should be quiet for a bit and let it... No, that's going to be boring for our listeners. <laughs> That'd be nice or if you could uh, relax while you're doing something. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, one of the things I was going to uh, bring up as a little bit of a topic thing is what we, in the future podcast from now, we're going to start looking at for, I guess you call them segments, you know, little things that you can look forward to every week to, Enough you know, to listen to. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and of course, one of them we want to be doing is reader mail. Um, of course, we can't do that until people start writing in and that's fine. Um, but or we maybe listen to mail, maybe. Listen after. to mail. That would make a lot more sense. But nonetheless, we... Um, We'd like to encourage people to start writing into the 
you know, into the podcast and with, you know, looking for gaming advice, life advice, hell, relationship advice, you know, we're happy to sort of... We are experts. We are not experts, but we're happy to give our... We can pretend to be experts. Yeah, our attempts... Dr. Nick, on the couch, 12. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can just basically try and give our opinions and usually, that you know, you never know, they might be good, they might just be smart-ass opinions and they might be able to laugh at us for the, uh, the lack of knowledge we have of stuff like, you know, of, of life, women, relationships, sport... All sorts of good stuff. Hey, I know about sport. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, so certainly we'll give a shout out. You know, we'd like to give a bit of a shout out to see if we can get some uh, mail in. Yeah. So where can they do that, Kurt? Okay. Uh, I was waiting for someone to sort of do that. You know, lead in for me. Do you like it? It was seamless. Yes, yeah, seamless as hell. Um, well, at the moment you can write to any one of the editors at the website. So uh, Nick, Ben, or Kurt at pressx.com.au. Um, and we will very, very soon also have an email up. In fact, by the time this goes up, you can write to podcast at pressx.com.au. Um, and, yeah, we'll do our best to answer what we can. Um, if you want to write random questions... We'll give about 20 issues and we should be answering questions. Yeah, yeah. So basically just go... Um, you know, you can write about anything. Go, my car doesn't start. Why? Well, well might not have bring the rain back for next episode. Exactly. <laughs> to be quite honest, Kurt, you do know a fair bit about cars. I Compared to me, I'm, I'm very very yeah. basic when it comes to cars. But yeah. certainly, you've been yeah. working on cars for quite a while now. Yeah. And I have a car, so yeah, we're all experts on the topic. But yeah, no. So write in with whatever the hell you want to write in about, and we can yeah do our best. Sure, we can find fun. someone that knows something about and it. And if not, we're turning to Yahoo questions, and we'll start answering random questions. So let's see what ends up happening from it. That's probably the best way to do it. All right. All right, so uh, anything else we're thinking of chatting about? I'm really dry for topics from now. Um, basically, one of the things I wanted to bring up is one of the articles that will be coming up very soon on our website. Given that we're a consumer advice website, um, we're going to be sort of looking into um, helping those who want to get into gaming or are just new to gaming. So the first question that usually comes up is, what console do I buy? Um the article will go into more depth, but the main uh, sort of topic in regards to that would be in the ne- in this current generation, there seems to be a stigma already related to uh, Wii being for children, Xbox being for shooter fanboys, and PlayStation 3 being for the tech heads. Um, but that doesn't actually have to be the case. I think we all have our own opinions to it. So uh, maybe I'll see. We'll pass over to Nick and see what he thinks in from his point of view okay well speaking console wise uh, I've since I've been old enough to earn money myself I've had that thought of to be quite honest the idea of having console wars and people not liking other consoles is kind of redundant when you can afford to buy any of the consoles you want and when all it takes is a little bit of self-control and three weeks later you can buy a console no problem I guess with things like rent and stuff like that it becomes a little bit more expensive and a little bit harder to buy the consoles but I don't see uh, the war of consoles being really relevant for anyone except for them and for people that have to ask their mum to buy a console for Christmas. Of course. Uh, But to be honest, uh, from personal use, I've used all three consoles regularly. I do not own a Wii anymore. I currently own a PS3 and I currently own an Xbox 360. And I spend game-wise most of my time playing the 360. In fact, it is very rare that I'll play games on my PS3. Saying that... My PS3 I use as a media center. I have a two terabyte hard drive connected to it that I watch all of my content off. So legally purchased, of course. Well, yeah, we just you know whenever you get a DVD, put it on there. You can manage it all through that. So that's how I manage that. And I also have uh, all my Blu-rays played through there as well. So anytime I, I I I use it primarily as a media center slash Blu-ray. 
which I think is one of the better ways to manage it because it really just provides that quality that I was looking for. And I do, you know, I love movies, so I love getting to watch them in high quality. But gaming wise, I would personally go for the 360, and it, it does come down to what your friends have. And I found more that my friends all seem to have Xbox 360. That seems to be the console that everyone's got and seems to be the one that people use mainly because uh, uh, the the exclusives are, in inverted commas, better and uh, the fact that every game basically comes out through there and it's very rare that games don't come out on a 360. Uh, So that's really the reasons why I play a 360 over a uh, Xbox I mean, over the PS2, 3, 4, 5. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> I, you know, I've owned consoles all my life and you, you kind of get confused in the end. And yeah, since being old enough to buy consoles, I don't mind. But really, if it, if it comes down to I can only afford one, game-wise, I'd probably go and get an Xbox 360. Well, I think it depends what kind of games you're into. Because, again, I've got all of the consoles at the moment and um, I mostly play my 360 with the PS3 ones as being the console-exclusive games. Kurt's just subtly heading out of here. You can hear him rustling. Yeah, he's about to bang everything. We're in a rather cluttered room at the moment. So <laughs> it's, not a, it's not like a studio office or anything like that. So we're sitting on couches and recording this. So Ben? I'm yeah, not. but certainly things like um, L.A. Noir on the PS3 is on a single disc rather than multiple discs. And That's a very with, good point. Yeah, same with Final Fantasy. And I believe the graphics also look better in you know the PS3 versions on certain games and that kind of thing. Um, but... Yeah, if you want to play exclusive games like Gears of War 3 or Forza, you can get the Xbox. If you want to play Little Big Planet or, um, you know, like Killzone or God of War or Metal Gear, any of those games, you obviously need the PS3 for. So, just because I want to play everything, yes. personally, I, you know, find use for both consoles. But, uh, yeah, it just really depends on your personal opinion I, I think it also comes down to uh, things like controller as well whether yeah. you whether you feel comfortable playing shooters which are to be quite honest gaming wise probably the games that get the most people moving across onto a console are shooting games sure and I think it'll depend on whether you feel comfortable using a PS3 controller or whether you prefer to use an Xbox 360 controller. Uh, I do find the Xbox 360 controller more comfortable. However, I have played shooters on the PS3 recently and haven't had too much trouble with them. However, I do find that on the PS3, I generally just blaze away and will almost uh, almost move my position rather than moving my aim which I don't know, you don't, I guess you don't play as many shooters. Well, I've been playing Killzone 3 at the moment. I haven't really had that problem. But uh, one of the advantages of the PS3 controller is the D-pad, which the Xbox D-pad is a bit... Uh, Horrid? Yeah, it's not the best, that's for sure. So I know a lot of people prefer fighting games on the PS3. Yeah, no, that's something that I have heard, that people do prefer to play their fighting games through or the PS3. E- yeah, or even buying an arcade stick. And even like a lot of shooter fans prefer the uh, PC just because of I the mouse... <laughs> If you're sneaky enough, you can get uh, consoles that are made, like vice versa. Like, you can buy a 360-shaped controller for your uh, PS3. PS3. And I believe you could probably find PS3 controllers for the 360. Yes, you can. um, I know that PlayAsia has a couple of them up online. I've had a fiddle with a few of them. They seem to be actually alright. The other thing with it is is the D-pad on the 360 now has been overhauled. So... It is a bit better. I can't tell the difference. Yeah. I do have one of those new uh, controllers and I just can't tell the difference. Yeah. Well, my Mad Cats uh, controller, the Modern Warfare one, also had the proper D-pad put on it. And I certainly find that that is significantly better than the original D-pad you found on the Xbox. Even Microsoft's recognised that by making the new controllers 
um, with the rotational D-pad that allows you to click it into standard D-pad mode or the original style D-pad. But yeah. Cool. So we might start talking about um, perhaps for perhaps the last topic, digital distribution of consoles. We did or, or gaming. We did talk about this before, and I am not sure which way I stand. I now have just upgraded my internet, so I can download copious amounts of content without any fears of uh, blowing my internet cap. Mm-hmm. So I have unlimited internet cap, so I can keep downloading games and stuff like that off uh, Xbox 360 off. Um, off the PSN network so that, that's a good thing but I'm still not sure whether it's worth it and I did actually go through and I wanted to buy Skate 3 and I thought hey I'm sitting in front of my console why don't I just buy it on there and I went through went through into the console went through to buy games had a look didn't have that one they did have Skate 2 that at $50 mm. now I went out and bought uh, Skate 3 in a deal with uh, 2 for 40 so I bought a, a year a year older game or a year younger game, the latest one, for twenty thirty dollars less than what the other, the older game was online. That's the only problem that the price wise we are not getting the deal that we deserve. No, yeah, that that's definitely the biggest issue. I think the other issue is storage space. So on PS3, I got one of the original ones with the sixty gig hard drive, and I constantly have to delete stuff, especially because. On PS3, you have to install a whole bunch of games to just to even play them. And Gran Turismo, for example, once you've downloaded it, installed all the patches, to just play the game, that's about 8 gig, I believe. And so that's a huge portion of my 60 gig hard drive taken up. And even on the 360, where I bought the 120 gig expansion hard drive, I'm still constantly deleting things to make room for the new demos or DLC. Yeah, well, so, I've got a two, I got a 250, but it still you know fills up pretty quick. Pretty quick. Exactly. So things like the iPhone, where you're just downloading uh, little games, that's great. When eventually, I guess maybe the next generation of consoles comes out, will have massive hard drives. Well, that's the question. Does the next generation of console actually have any physical media? I think I will. I think. Because the games will also get bigger in size. So if you're downloading like a Metal Gear 4 or Uncharted, that's like 40 gig right there. So they'll obviously, you know, compress those and be able to get them quicker to download and stuff. But even as soon as a big game comes out, it seems like the servers get hammered. And so you can't have everyone... Like where the PS3 recently had the deal where everyone got infamous for free uh, because of the PlayStation Network outage. Everyone was trying to download it at the same time, and it was just going so slow if you tried to do that. The PSN was down? Since yeah, when? I don't know if you know. <laughs> That's right, we're in the US, right? Yeah, okay. Now, I guess uh, to combat that, there are a couple of things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, first we kick off with the fact that if you play World of Warcraft, you can download it, and it allows you to play. So it, it initially downloads and installs the start, yep. and then from there, as you continue to play, it keeps downloading behind the scenes. And that's so it, it allows you to keep playing. But the other one is Fable 2, when that was released as a digital option, yeah. and it was released in sections. Episodic, yeah. Yeah, episodic gaming, which is, I guess, the other way that they'd go about it. So say you've got you know, a 40 gig file, you would only download the first gig and start playing through there, and then it just slowly roll on as you continue to play. Another yeah. solution that Steam's implemented is that about a week before the game comes out, they'll allow you to download about 90% of the game. Yeah, pre-downloads. And, yeah, and so then when the final game's launched, you can download just a little bit extra that'll allow you to play it, and that'll make it quicker to download and easier on your servers yeah. as well. Well, one of the big problems that you always have with buying games through download over the actual physical retail disc 
is that you have the situation where the game comes out that day. Yeah, you could go down the road, pick up a copy of the game at the store, come home, start playing it. You buy it on the store that goes active that day, and if it's a 10 gig game, you could, depending on your internet speed, of course, be there for quite some time waiting for it to download, which means that all your friends who've bought the physical copy are already well and truly ahead and running. Um, and the other main thing, going back to your original thing with the cost, is when you buy a physical disc, once you've finished playing the game, you've still got something that you can sell it off for, whether it be second-hand or a trade-in against another game, you've still got something with it. You buy a digital copy, you can't send, then turn back to the PSN and say, all right, I don't want that anymore, give me 50% of my money back. That's, not, that's no longer become an option for you. The trade-off, of course, of that is no more scratch discs, no more having to worry about where your discs are kept, all the rest. You know, you can just always be on your system, just switch game on the fly whenever you want. So there's always that big trade-off. Certainly, my concern with digital distribution is you are at the mercy of the companies for cost, whether or not you get the game. Now, I bought the, uh, the PSP uh, Go originally for Crisis Call when it first, came, you know, when the PSP Go came out, never came. You know, then I, you know, was waiting on a couple of other games and had to wait like forever after the physical versions of the game came out for it to finally hit the store. And then even then, the physical versions at the store were $15, you know, because they were out for so long, but still the full $59.99 on the PlayStation Store. So I was kind of stuck at the mercy of firstly getting games late and then also getting them for an overpriced um, amount. So certainly, you know, there are stuff behind it. Digital distribution is great, especially for a lot of people that don't live near stores or, you know, just would like the convenience of being able to just go alright, I want this new game, I just want to pay for it, download it. You know, we've been doing it for Xbox Live arcade games and PSN um, title, you know, the little titles for quite some time now. It's just taking it to a larger scale. As long as we still have this retail ability, it's probably not something to be too concerned about um, if we can still buy the physical media and just give you the choice of either or. Um, so yeah, that's sort of where I stand. I think to that. answer the original question of whether the next generation will have right. physical media as well, I think what we'll start to see is that more games will come out day and date on the downloadable version of the store as well as in you know the physical copy. Yes. So when that happens and when they get the pricing right, then more people will start to move over and then maybe the generation after that will be yeah. more looking towards download only. But I still know quite a few people who... They either don't have the internet um, download capabilities or they're just not online on their console. And so those people will still be you know, buying from a store for quite a while, I feel. Yeah, when you develop a console, you're developing, developing it for the entire world. So even though America's infrastructure might be strong enough to handle all digital, they're still selling an awful lot of consoles in Australia, Europe, Asia, all the rest, in which they need to you know, a, lot of these, a lot of these countries. They have the infrastructure, but not to the extent where it's in every home and it's high speed, and it's uncapped, and it's everywhere. So there's still going to be a need for physical media and consoles. And certainly, you know, Sony has really, you know, struck out lucky in regards to the Blu-ray, where they, they, they battled for the Blu-ray to win. You wouldn't want to be dropping it to, in too much of a hurry now, now that they finally won the war, and it's big enough to store medium, and it's, you know, it's not particularly fast, but it's certainly fast enough to game with. Um, and certainly, you know, Xbox is, well, Microsoft has hinted and it's very much only at a sort of speculation level at the moment that they're looking at a new medium over DVD so hopefully we'll start to see some of that coming across alright so we might start winding up now yeah. and uh, go through the final thing so uh, I guess you got a couple of shout outs that you wanted to mention uh, yeah so um, there 
we've got one we've got two sets of uh, podcast series that we are basically featuring on the website at the moment and probably will continue to do so as the website continues one is Ben's Insane Ramblings podcast um, very funny sort of the topics in the podcast sort of change as the podcast goes. It's yeah, a, we just talk about whatever the hell we feel yeah. like. It's at insaneramblings.net if you feel like checking that out. There's also a link on the website straight to it. Um, and certainly, yeah, give, them a, give it a listen. You might find that you actually really like it. Um, the other one is we've recently put up an article for the Zombie Podcast um, called We're Alive. It's a sort of 1950s style radio drama that's set in modern day as the zombie apocalypse happens um absolutely worth giving a listen to the um as the story goes and the podcast built and all that and the characters started to sort of intermingle and have these sort of relationships and so forth in it it just gets better and better and more and more addictive um and certainly highly highly recommended to give it a uh, check out if you like zombie um sort of uh, apocalyptic um mediums and so forth or if you just like zombie music, as we yeah, mentioned. zombie music. Or if you just want like a good story to listen to when you're, you know, on the tram or in your car or something like that, give it a look. It's well worth having a look into. Um, the other thing we need to give a bit of a shout out to is the um, the social networking side of the site, which is currently still being sort of set up and taking off. Um, we've got our Twitter up, which is PressXAU. Um, we have our Facebook up, which is also PressXAU, and our Google Plus which is just press X if anyone ever uses Google Plus. Um, I've got to stop hating on Google Plus, don't I? You really um, do. Well, what happens, what happens when it goes like, explodes, man? You yeah, you'll be able to... Left behind. No, you'll be able to put it into a little clip show and go, this is how retarded he used to be and still is. Um, and yeah, and so if you want to write to us, um, you can write to Nick at nick at pressx.com.au. You can write to Kurt at curtis.pressx.com.au or Kurt at pressx.com.au and ben at ben at pressx.com.au or if you just want to write into the podcast with questions or you know anything advice ideas write to podcast at pressx.com.au um i think that's pretty much it sounds good to me yeah. all right so maybe we'll close off with uh if there's anything that you plan on playing or or listening to uh before the next podcast it might be worth mentioning now i'm certainly looking forward to playing bastion uh, the arcade game which was released in the summer of arcade I am not going to buy all the games in the summer of arcade because as much as it's a good deal and you get a free game at the end it's still $150 $160 in the end $20 a game or something like that and I might actually try um, Dust as well but definitely Bastion I'll be playing before the next podcast okay cool I uh, am still playing Killzone 3 and I've also just started a new DS game Ghost Trick which I'll be able to tell you about more next episode yep yeah. um I am sort of going back for a bit of an old retro gaming kick at the moment. Um, I went back to Transport Tycoon Deluxe from back in the day. um, There's a company that's come out and made an open source version called OpenTTD. I've been playing a lot of. And also Theme Hospital, the old bullfrog game from the 90s, which has also got the equivalent of an OpenTTD version called Corsix. Um, And that's a... Theme Hospital open source version and it runs beautifully on Mac and PC um, and I'll be just continuing to play through Bioshock 1 and 2 really um, hopefully saving up a bit of money so I can basically sit down with Gears of War 3 for 
hours and hours on end, but there'll be more podcasts between now and that release date. So. Definitely. Yeah. All right, so I think that's it. Yeah, I think it's lunchtime, in fact. Yes. And also, I think I might like to join you on uh, a little bit of Minecraft, because I haven't played it. So we might ah, get yes. stuck into that as well today and Minecraft. lose how long the next, uh, how many hours are there left before the next one comes up? Yeah, it's going to be a while. Uh, seven days. Seven so days. It's like get work might not happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. That was Ben. Ben. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> he does it every time. Kurt. Hey, have a great one. And I'm Nick. So thank you very much for listening and join us again next week, hopefully at the same time, but hopefully we can lock it down. So thank you very much for joining us.